Shout out to Skip. <laughs> yeah. So I just lay back, post, drip a cup. When niggas come through, we roll the woods up. We laugh about the good times that we had. Fuck that. Don't talk about it. Shit, I said it. Okay, uh, we back, podcast, back with another episode. We're going to talk about everything we want to know about the church, about religion, about Christianity, about all of that. We're going to get all of the, as we're going to get it as, as many stereotypes and things uh, conquered as much as possible, denounce a few things, talk about some things that people wonder about, people are curious about, things like that. Uh, I felt like Marlon was the best person that I could reach out to, a uh, very authentic guy. I've known him for a long time in my younger days, his younger days. I've seen the journey. I've seen, um, seen the church journey from uh, being in the elementary school to having their own ministry and their own building. Uh, it, it, it was amazing just to see this whole transition and um I felt like it was nobody better to try to get some clarity on a few things as much as we can, because at the end of the day, we all we all still trying to find answers as well. So as much as we can to help anybody else out or just to um, just to just find out some things you're curious about, make it real interesting. And my man got a lot. He got a story. Uh, he got a wonderful team. And he do a lot of great things for the community. He's going to give it to you raw. So I, I had nobody else to invite here he was the first person that hit my mind when i came up with this podcast so uh marlon introduce yourself uh give us a little brief history tell us about your journey and we get into it what's going on family this is marlon austin first off i want to say thank you care for even allowing me to be on your show um thank you for even having the idea to be able to put this together because i think this is a platform where you'll be able to dis- discuss a lot of the stigmas and stereotypes of the other people. But um, I think a lot of times when you hear people say, you know, we need answers, sometimes they talk to all the wrong people. Mm-hmm. When you hear we need answers, I feel like if you're going to ask answers about a pastor, you want to ask somebody that's a pastor. Exactly. You want to always ask the congregation because they can't speak for the pastor. Right. So just for you to even have me on here was ultimately blessing because I think when people don't ask the questions, they make assumptions right. or Absolutely. they get the wrong answers. So um, thank you for having me on your show, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Marlon Austin. I've been pastoring now for four years. I'm a pastor. I'm a full-time maintenance assistant maintenance director. I'm an author. I'm a father of three beautiful children. Um, it's just so many things that I do, but my main title is man. I think okay. a lot of times when people want to know who I am, you know, those are the things that I do. Yeah. That's not who I am. Right. right. So the, it's a blessing for me to be confident and competent in who I am as a pastor. And we actually started um, this ministry four years ago. We started in my living room with about five people. God laid it on my heart to start the ministry. We started in my living room for about five people. I'm not going to get too deep into it because I'm sure we're going to get into it in an interview. But just mm-hmm. a quick synopsis is we started from my living room. We went from my living room to doing Bible study at uh, library. We moved from doing Bible study at library. Then we started doing Bible study at a church that mm-hmm. was bringing out once a week. And then we moved from there to the school. We were at the school for one year. And now we at Woodlawn and um, we're just serving the community, man. Right, right. The reason, the reason, um, you know, I know you since I was a teenager and I seen who you were before you got here. And um, I, the reason I reached out after I seen you doing your thing, 
because uh, I was going through my own thing. I was going through a hard time mentally, and a lot was going on. And um, I seen you. You was repeatedly posting about your thing, about your thing. And I just reached out on a, just trying to see if I can get some more. Like, as much, like when you're going through certain things, sometimes it's best to get as much advice or reach out to many people as possible to get some clarity on things if you can. And, and when I sat down with you, you, you gave it to me raw, like I said, and you told me what was up. And the 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 thing that helped me the most was that um, I was so worried, but whenever I talked to you about it, it was like, you good type of thing. And that just helps somebody when they're going through stuff, and I, I appreciated that. But like you mentioned, your yeah, um, Bible study, that's where me and you started connecting. I was going through that. And I, what I learned through that was sometimes, well, I think, I think I got way more out of Bible study during that time than I did going to church. So... I think when you you started talking about the the points of um, you get certain things out of church, but when you really want to get deeper and learn more things, Bible study is necessary for that. So uh, talk about how you got to the point of um, talk about your journey as far as how you even got to the point of even getting into church. How did how did that even start for you to even change your lifestyle and want to be a pastor? So first and foremost, so listen, I didn't even want to be a pastor. Um, I believe that. Being a pastor wasn't my whole goal with this. My whole goal was actually looking for answers. Like you said, we need answers. Right. Um, there was a very pivotal point in my life where I lost my brother, Tony. A day before my 21st birthday, he passed away. And around that time, I was kind of going through, um, trying to figure out who I am. But I believe as a man, you know, you go through seasons where you're trying to find yourself. And mm-hmm. I was in the process of trying to find myself. In the process of me trying to find myself, um, Tony died. Okay. When he died... Um, I had I had a little faith. I believed a little bit, mm-hmm. but I kind of really wanted more answers. I was just so confused. I was so hurt. I was so um, broken mm-hmm. that I had to figure out before I, I, I blame this God that I'm angry with. I wanted to get know about more about him. So I'm the type of person that you got to know things for yourself. So I started studying, reading the word mm-hmm. and um, getting more of an understanding about life. I started um, going through some um even though I was on the process of, on my spiritual journey, I still was hitting lows. Right. Um, I went through a very bad, very bad season of depression, uh-huh. um, really rough season. But in that season, I started to develop. I started to grow. I started to get stronger. I started to get a better understanding. And then the word started making sense to me. It started applying. And then mm-hmm. I started living it. And in the process, I started encouraging other people, helping other people, letting other people know, hey, look, you ain't got to go through that. You can be better. You can be stronger. Then I walked around just making deposits into people. Right. While I was doing it, I kind of felt God prompted me to be bigger and greater than what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So then I felt like um, in this season, God was calling me to be a, a carrier of the gospel. So now I understood enough about the words. So I started sharing it with other people. Mm-hmm. And to, to my surprise, people were using it and it was working. People were they, they were you know changing. They were growing. They were becoming better husbands, better fathers. Right. And in that, I felt um, God prompted me to be a, a past a, a preacher. Okay. So I accepted my call to be a preacher. That was cool. That was fun. Mm-hmm. And then after that, to go from being a preacher to a pastor was a very unique jump. Um, it's one thing just to be a preacher. You get up there, you preach, and you go home. But the pastor is a whole different ballgame. And my, okay. my, my perspective is every pastor is not a preacher. I mean, every preacher is not a pastor. Okay. But explain every the pastor difference. should be a preacher. Okay. So you want to explain the difference? Yeah. A pastor has a shepherd. A pastor has his own church. He normally has his own flock. Okay. But a preacher is just someone who ministers the word of God. They're okay. not necessarily obligated over ministry. So I may have a pastor, but there may be preachers under me. 
Okay. So maybe like the pastor is the point guard. Okay. And then okay, you got, got the team. You got me. Then so you got so the uh, preacher basically, if they go to your church, another church, enough, that's a preacher. But yes. if he don't have his own church, then he's just a preacher. He's just a preacher. So if he, yeah, okay. Gotcha. And then gotcha. normally when you get to that point, then you kind of overlap. And when you talked about um, a, a minister versus a reverend, okay. that's normally when you're ordained. Okay. That's legally bounded to actually marry people and bury people legally. Okay. Uh, well, so what's the what's the process with that as far as if you say legally? So that means you got you got to go to college or you got you actually have to have a um, have to apply for it. So that way you just can't say oh, I can marry and bury people legally because mm-hmm. legally I am a, um, a pastor. So I can sign off on documents. OK. Legally. OK. Because sometimes when when you're not legally aligned to do that, you can't legally sign a document. Got gotcha. Somebody's married. Gotcha. OK. If you're not. And not allocated in the state of Maryland as a licensed okay. ordained minister. Cool, cool. Okay, so basically, um, like you said, when you said your thing about um, you were raised in the church, but you only went because your grandmother. I mean, I think that's a <laughs> a, a good percentage of people. Like we, you know, yeah. people say they're Christians or they they believe in God because that's how they were raised. But you know, like you said, people go through things. They try to find themselves and they try to learn about uh. Finding the answers themselves because just because you go into church and you raise that way, nine times that doesn't mean you believe everything. That doesn't mean that you agree to everything. But uh, knowing that the way the world is now and how a lot of our elders are, it's not okay to say that you feel differently about it because that's that becomes toxic sometimes. Mm. So uh, the main another reason that we have in this episode is try to try to figure out. Uh, the logistics of things that go on in the church world and, and in re- religions, period. Because I, f- uh, I think it's a it's a, a real big, and we'll get into this. But I think another topic that's very important is spiritual spirituality versus religion. Okay, and I think that's a very important topic because people know don't know the difference. But before we get there, uh, I just want to get into some things that we feel like a part of church that some people, a lot of people, have a lot of issues with or don't know about. Okay, so let's let's talk about. Um, uh, is it important to be in church every Sunday? I think we touched on this, and yeah, you touch on this, like I said before, in your, in your Bible study a lot. Just about, um, I remember one time you asked this exact question, and I think my my uh, my response was that I don't think it's necessary because uh, I know the word. The word says, um, I'm paraphrasing, but the word says, uh, churches when two or more people come together and discuss God. Okay. So I felt like. I always took that, you know, because um, because like the times that I was just discussing before I came to you, I was going through a, a phase where it was like, all right, well, I, I got to be diligent. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go every Sunday. I'm going to give. I'm going to get all this other stuff. And then I, once I started coming back to myself, I was like, man, I'm not you ain't no wrong if you don't go, because I think another thing that you discussed uh, that's important. You could touch on it, too, was that. It's a million people that go to church every Sunday, every every event the church has sit front row dressed to a T. But when they get out of church, it's a whole nother person. So uh, touch on the importance of that. So it's, it's think about it like this. Church is not for God. It's for you. Right. It's like if I'm giving away something, um, some free food every mm-hmm. week, I'm saying, listen, I'm, I'm giving you food for the week. Mm-hmm. So you come to this um, place and when you come here. You bring your basket. When you bring your basket, I'm going to fill it up. Okay. And you miss a week of me filling up your basket. How your week going to be? It might be terrible. You're going to be a little hungry, right? Yeah. So the purpose of church is for food. Mm-hmm. Um, you come together to be able to eat. The Bible says don't forsake the assembling of your people. And you come to church to keep you on track. Okay. Whether we go to church, pray, read the word, or anything, guess what? 
God is still going to be God. Right. So we have to realize that church is for us. So if you can afford to miss a week of church, mm-hmm. God bless you. But I promise you, ain't nobody out there that can afford to miss a week of church intentionally just because I yeah. don't feel like it. Yeah. That's why it says, do not forsake the assembling of the brethren, which means that when we all come together, it's a deposit that's made. And you said... um, when you two or more gather touching the green, he is in the midst. Absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. But you got to think about it. When you go to church, you have to have, be preached. You have to be taught. You have to learn. You have to grow. You have to develop. You have to worship. And you also have to fellowship. I think that's where people missing the whole um, disconnect. Because how can you be a part of God's church but not be a part of the fellowship? Which meaning you have to be able to be around your brothers and your sisters. Okay. So um, you going to church every Sunday is very essential because if you need to grow, you need to make sure you go to church. Like I said, if you need to make sure you're going to be okay during the week, you have to get a word, you have to be fed. You want to make sure that you're in church. And I think a lot of times when people um, try to separate Christ and church, mm-hmm. you can't separate them. Okay. Christ is the Jesus. This is my bride. You can't say I'm with Christ, but and I don't like the church. The okay. So that's one of my things is a lot of people says I'm in Christ, but I'm, I don't, I don't like church. Yeah. I don't do church, but I love Jesus. I love Christ. How can you separate a husband and a wife? Okay. You can't separate them. They're one. Right. The two shall become one. So you can't say you love Christ, but don't love the church. Okay. So, so if that's the case, if somebody runs into this issue, the best option is to find another church home. I would say I would definitely say that because you got to think about it just because um, I don't know if we're going to probably get into it. But I think a lot of times you get the stigma on when you hear church, you put everybody under that umbrella church. Yeah. But think about when you think about a store. Uh Everybody's not Chick-fil-A. Right. Everybody's not McDonald's. Everybody's not Burger King. Everybody's not Royal. Everybody is different because just because you went to one bad Chick-fil-A don't mean the other one going to do you wrong. Okay. So you have to kind of look at it from that perspective because um, just because you went to the McDonald's on uh, Baltimore Hilton, they might have messed your order up. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you go to the new one out, White Marsh, guess what? They're going to do your order to the T. Yeah. Is there something wrong with McDonald's? Right. Or is there uh, something wrong the with location. that location? Yeah, yeah. So I say that to say that every church is different. Every pastor is different. And you have to find out what works for you. And I always tell the people at churches, churches are like shoes. Mm-hmm. Everybody don't have the same style, nor do they wear the same size. So if you're running around here with a with shoes that are too small or some ugly shoes that you don't even like, yeah. it's time for you to get a new pair. What right. am I saying? Don't just go to a church because that's the church that mama told you yeah, to go to. Yeah, don't yeah, just yeah. be a part of this church just because you know everybody there. You want to go to a church where you are comfortable that you can be able to grow because if your shoe's too small, you're uncomfortable. Right, right. That's why that church ain't working for you because you're uncomfortable. That's okay. why you can't grow because you're uncomfortable. Right. It's time to get some new shoes, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right. Jump out the Air Forces and some other joints. Yeah, get yourself something different. <laughs> Them bands is hurting your feet. <laughs> <laughs> so, with, all right, so with that being said, with that lead me perfectly into the, another one of my topics. Um, as far as churches, like you Uh-oh. said, you want to go to different. I know churches. where we're going with this one. Yeah. So, how do you feel about? I think it's a lot of a lot of drama goes on. You got TV shows about pastors and churches. You got pastors that's doing a whole lot of extra stuff, and people look Absolutely. at it like goofy. And I think the the a lot of assumption comes from the outside looking in, or even the people inside looking out. Um, True. The people that go to church, they they talk. Like you might hear them talk down on other churches and the people who are not involved in churches might look at it like it's a clown show because mm. they see a lot. Of, I posted a video not too long ago about a, a pastor. I think it was in Atlanta. The dude had on. He, he sat in like an anchor that pulled him from the top of the church to the bottom. Like he came down like a, like a slide. <laughs> but so talk about 
Um, I don't know if the topic would necessarily be mega churches versus a small church, but I think uh, I think for some people, because I think for some people and um, that might scare people away because it feels like you see everything that goes on and you see all of the uh, it feels it doesn't feel inclusive. I think bigger, a lot of bigger churches, but. Like you said, the word is what counts. So talk about how you feel about mega churches versus a smaller church. Is it a difference or is it how you? you... I, um, with me, I feel like. So, w- w- for example, mm-hmm. if I'm start, we started this church four years ago. Mm-hmm. If this church grows to a larger ministry. So what defines me as a mega church? Right. But uh, that's a question because I would think about to. it. If I'm doing church and we started our church four years ago and we start doing church very, very you know, well and people are coming, lives yeah. are being changed, people are being transformed. It's a good thing. We're going to grow. Yeah, it's a good thing. So it's not a bad thing to become a mega church. It's yeah. not a bad thing to grow. Okay. When you start changing the actual authenticity of the fabric, that's, that's when, when you it's have a the problem. problem. Okay, gotcha. Because gotcha. I believe that if I'm doing great ministry, you know, a lot of people say, you know, numbers don't matter. Right. I disagree, but I agree. I believe that it's not only about numbers, but who you preaching to? Who right. are you saving? Right. Who are you helping? Right. That's like saying um, the hospital is cool as long as it's always empty. Right. What do you need an emergency room if nobody's ever sick? So when you think about um, when you're dealing with people, yes, it will be certain levels in ministry. But I think when ministries get a little bit higher up in, in the hierarchy, sometimes the, 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 the authenticity of the fabric changes. Yeah. You kind of start compromising. Okay. You start kind of you know chasing money. But I believe that if the church keeps its organic call and assignment, mm-hmm. it's nothing wrong with growing because I believe that you can do a whole lot more with a whole lot more. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So yeah, I, that's why I feel like the whole stigma of churches is, is very critical. Like like you said, like it, it's good to grow because you're reaching more people, but it's just about staying solid and staying true to what, what the, the, the original. Because uh, I ain't going to name names, but the church that I originally started to when we were kids, my whole family went to. And I remember when that church was super small, like it was Sunday school in the church and uh, like everything was so tight. I feel like everybody knew each other. I was so young. I don't remember, but. Uh, I just seen from that church how I blew it. It blew uh, like crazy out the water. But uh, speaking on the money thing, like you said, I think that's another topic that's very critical with churches and a lot of people. Is is I I I I uh, I I tip my hat to any pastor honestly because people are very critical and judgmental about things. And like you said, if you don't talk to the person, you don't know. And I'm not taking sides in any shape or form or nothing, but. Uh, just just like the money thing when it comes to churches, like you see money, like we just talked about mega churches and things like that. But I think one of the biggest things like when it comes to churches that people get scared or they, they feel type of ways about offering and tithe. So what's the what's the, the background and knowledge on that? Because I think a lot of people look at, oh, they want money. So that's all they worried about. But that, Absolutely. that's not that's not the case for everybody. I'm, I'm sure it might be for some, but that's not the case for everybody. So we just just shed a little knowledge on that that part and how y'all uh, carry that. So look church. at it like this. Let's look at it like this. When you go to the movies and you want to watch the movies, what you got to do? Yeah, buy a ticket. When you want to go out and get you something nice to wear, what you got to do? You got to buy your clothes. Anytime you want to do something, nine times out of ten, it's going to cost you some what? Money. When you get some lights, you're going to have to do what? I spent some money. How about that rent? <laughs> I spent some money. How about money. that gas? Everything. How about some food? So when you think about it, 
you can't get around money. A right. church, the church is a non, it's, it's a, it's an organization, it's mm-hmm. an entity, which means that it needs money to operate. Yes, I can pray for you for free, mm-hmm. but in order to have a building where we'd be able to come to to worship, you we're gonna have to pay bills. Yeah. So when you understand the tithes and offerings component, you got to think about it like all churches are not crooked. Yeah. yeah. But I think the unfortunate thing is that in the day and age that we live in, we well, I myself get a lot of the backlash from other preachers and mm-hmm. pastors' decisions. Yeah. But when you understand that the, the church needs to operate, yeah. how can I be feeding the homeless if, if I don't not, get money? Yeah, yeah. So how do I how do I function? How do I pay the bills? How am mm-hmm. I out here to go and be able to be a blessing to other people without money? See, something you can pray for somebody, but praying ain't gonna fill your stomach up. Yeah. And it's hard to hear a good sermon when your stomach is growling. Right. right. So I think when you think about the tithes and offerings, the tithes and offerings is to make sure the church is able to function. Okay. To be able to prop, properly function as an entity. But I think when people come to the church, they treat it like a a, a take, take, take. Yeah. Why take where you don't want to give? Right. Anybody that's willing to take from where they don't give is considered a thief. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't actually give money, guess what? Give some time. Give some energy. Give right. something. Because you should never be the person who always want, 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 want. Give right. me. I want. I need. You should be able to put something back in. And the tithes and offerings will allow the church to be able to grow to meet the needs of the ministry, meet the needs of the auxiliary. We got to pay for um, drums. We got to pay. Listen, they want to come to church. They want to be comfortable. Well, you ever been to church and be hot? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so hot, you sweating, your clothes right, are sweating. Right. But what if had AC? If you had AC, you'd be in love, right? Yeah. But guess what? You got to pay for BGN. You ever been to a church and the chairs was uncomfortable? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you sitting there, your back hurting. You Fold can't chairs, all that. Folding yeah. chairs and you uncomfortable. Yeah. Guess what? You want nice chairs? Guess what? They cost money. Right. So I feel like you got to look at it. You you can't always look at the church, oh, we trying to get money. We're trying to get money. But because you think about it, this is for God. The church should look good. Yeah, absolutely. The church should look nice. Absolutely. It should have comfortable chairs. It should have the best things because how can you go into the house of God and the house of God is trash, but then you go over somebody's house where they having a cookout or something, it's all decked out. Yeah. yeah. But I God but God is God is first, but you come to church. You, church can't have nice stuff. Right. Oh, right. you shouldn't have that in the church, but you want everything else in your house, but the church should look like crap. Right. So how how does it like for a person let's let's say you gotta guess the first day they come, this is the first time they ever been to church and that that's what they see and they look at it. If you if I was just I, I, that, what you gave is that that's the whole reasoning behind it. But how do you how how is how do you convince? Well, I wouldn't even say convince because it's not your purpose. How do I to, communicate it? Yeah. How do you? So what I do is I say first of all was I don't beg people to give. Okay. I don't. I, I don't think, get a, and that's I'm asking you for that reason because I think a lot of people if say they say they come to a church one day and and, and I've witnessed this before. It was the day they say uh, uh, the harvest tides or something like that. Like that's the day they come. It's like hey, I thought we just did the other thing. <laughs> so it's like, like again? yeah. So so tell me how you would look at that. So I, what I, how I do it is I kind of I make people feel comfortable. Let me tell you what I sh- I messed my ministry up the first year. How you did? I didn't talk about tithes and offerings. Okay. I didn't talk about giving. Okay. And we started going downhill. Yeah. And I was just, I didn't want to be that pastor who yeah. keep asking for money. Yeah. But me not it's talking tough. about it. I was like, I don't want to be that pastor. Me not talking about it hurt us. Yeah, because I wasn't can't. because we didn't have it. Yeah. So now when the bills need to be getting paid, we I'm looking find at my out life. how to do it. Because I didn't say nothing about it. Yeah. So I'm and so I had to really step back and say, Oh, bro, you, I know you don't want to be that pastor that does not talk about it. There's no every way Sunday, it. but bro, you need to talk about it. There's no way around. Because when you get behind these doors and you start looking at these numbers, you, in order for this church to open up next week, you got to pay these bills. Right. So I, what I do is I actually am, I, I share vision. Okay. 
So I don't want people to just think they're giving just so, oh, we're just giving, giving, giving. No, yeah. we're giving towards a bigger goal, a bigger vision. Yeah. So we're giving to also maintain the church, but we're on our way somewhere. I think a lot of times people, you know, give, 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 but you should never give towards a church where you don't know the mission and the vision. Okay. Absolutely. So if you got a, if you give it towards a church and you don't see the mission or the vision, that's your fault. You should say, "Hey, pastor, what's going on? What's next? What moves are we making?" Because mm-hmm. a church, the church is not a, a, a mausoleum. Yeah, it's a movement. Right. Which means it should be ever progressing, ever moving, ever evolving, ever going forward. And you can't do that if your church is broke. Absolutely. And it's hard to be a great blessing to somebody if your church is broke. Yeah, you can pray for me, but guess what? I need you to not only pray for me, but I need you to guide me and help me. Right. So I relate. I says, listen, we are here to serve, support, and strengthen God's people. What do I mean is we have to make sure we start sowing towards the vision. I share the vision. We will be a resource center. We will be a help center. This mm-hmm. is what we're going to do. So as the more we sow towards that, that's the goal that we're moving towards. Right now, we are in a school. I mean, we're in a building, but we are going to buy a building. Mm-hmm. So right now, the money that we're getting, we're taking it. We're, we're going to buy something or we're going to build something. Right. So with the money that we get, we letting people know, listen, this is our goal. This is what we're going to hit. We're going to buy It's transparent. Something. It's transparent. It's transparent. Because transparency leads to trust. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's absolutely. the key. That is. To being able to give your money. 100%. It's trust. Yeah. I think I think that's that's probably the, probably the most important to me. I think that's probably the most important point of being a pastor because you want somebody to trust you and that absolutely. transparency to do it. Like if you, if they put it all out on the table for you and you're seeing it being built, it's like, all right, well, and, and you're getting a good word, then it's like, okay, I can, I can, I can vibe here. I can, I can stick with that. So that's, that's definitely important. So, uh, speaking on, talk about your, your initiatives you got going on. Like you said, you, your plans for the future. You so got, right uh, now, man, we have a lot going on. Um, I don't know if you, you know, we got to, uh, actually have a reality show coming out. Okay. It's actually life with the Austins and it kind of helps actually, um, still, it actually still helps me use that as a platform for people to be educated and informed on who I am. Okay. So I think when people see one side of me, they don't know the whole, being of me so we're going to use this as a platform to be able to bless and impact families so it's going to be called life in the austin's aaron 2020 we're actually starting up recordings now okay so the goal is to be you know my wife you know my wife my wife of 12 years amen lady lady love you baby girl i know you're listening both of so, y'all emerson village yeah emerson right. village friend. Amen. <laughs> so 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 we actually use that as a um we're going to use it as a platform to actually deal with a lot of stereotypes and stigma because a lot of times people see us from the outside but don't know what it takes to be on the inside yeah. they don't know my wife is a full-time student uh-huh. she's a full-time employee i'm a full-time worker i'm a full i'm a pastor as well we got right. three kids we do a lot we do business so to be able to get that insight we're going use that as a platform okay. that's going to be dropping and then also on top of that we have um just initially opened up we actually great opened up a help center okay so we got the building next door and the building next door is called the help center it's mm-hmm. the help outreach center mm-hmm. we, that's where we're going to start doing our cdc our community development corporations and that will be our give back i think when you deal with churches the churches deal with the spiritual aspect of it but i believe jesus always dealt with the whole man mm-hmm. he didn't only just feed you physically he felt you spiritually Mentally, as well yeah. so um i think the church has done a great job at spiritualizing everything, but I feel like you can't, um, you can put as much oil on a person as you want, but that still ain't going to, they might feel like a piece of Popeye's chicken, mm-hmm. but that don't mean they're going to be a piece of Popeye's chicken. Right. So, um, they need to eat a piece of Popeye's yeah, chicken, yeah. not look like one. <laughs> right. So right. we definitely want to, um, take that initiative and the, and the help center is going to be a place for help. I believe it's going to be a resource center for all people, mm-hmm. a place where you'll be able to come and get, um, the two initiatives that we emphasize on right now is what we're doing great is helping the homeless. Okay. Um, um, we, right now, we've been feeding the homeless 
once a month, but it's been very successful. We've been partnering with another um, nonprofit. We've been feeding the homeless. Mm-hmm. But now with the new building, we have a kitchen in there, we have space in there, and we're going to get it up and running, and we're going to serve the homeless. I think a lot of times when you think about the homeless people, people see them as an inconvenience yeah. or an annoyance. Yeah. But being honestly, um, all of us are one check or three three shakes of a dog tail of being homeless mm-hmm. as well. So I believe that who's responsible for the homeless? I feel like at the end of the day, the least you can do is be able to provide the resources because everybody is home that's homeless didn't want to be homeless. Absolutely. They don't, you know, life could have happened. Everybody out there is not on drugs. Some people just fell on hard times who need some help. Yeah. And I think this is where the help center is going to come in. We want it to be a place where people can come and be, get resources. Right. So even if I can't physically give you everything that you're asking for, I should be able to connect you with somebody that, that be able can. to help you. Yeah. And that's one initiative, which is the homeless. And we're going to take that to a whole nother level now. Mm-hmm. And the other side is, I believe it's about jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. But it's one of my biggest, jo- my biggest pet peeves is helping people get employment Mm -hmm. but um we are actually developing a program now where think about it i've been getting a lot of people jobs hey look i I know a couple people i get you a job but Mm -hmm. i think i'm getting people jobs who's never been taught how to work okay so yeah i'm cool with the people from around the way Mm -hmm. i get my man little little rah-rah a job Mm -hmm. you know little rah-rah cool he excited to work he gonna come to work he gonna you know do his work but then he might be a little late. He might be a little irresponsible. Mm. But he may not have the skills to be a great worker. Right. right. So little Rara cool as long as there's nobody bothering him. But as soon as somebody disrespect Rara, he great go to the trunk, grab a strap. Yeah. And you can't so do that. You can't do that. Yeah. So and he doesn't have any job readiness. Job readiness. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole thing. I want to have some a program implemented so that way you'll have job force development, job readiness, job preparedness, mm-hmm. and ultimately conflict resolution. I think a lot of times we don't know how to handle conflict. Yeah, absolutely. I can address you. I can confront you without being confrontational. Mm-hmm. Don't mean I got to roll around the park a lot with you. I ain't got to disrespect yeah. you. I ain't got to cuss at you. But I need to be taught that. Yeah. I only know what I'm taught. The Bible says my people perish due to a lack of knowledge. Right. I don't know right. how to handle it. Only thing I know that if somebody pop up won't mess and disrespect me, guess what? I got to get you yeah. before you get me. So we want to do that. One day we say, okay, it's, every day it's going to be open from 8 to 4. You come in here. You bring your resume. Yeah. Most people don't have a resume. How are you trying to get a good job, but you don't no have resume. a resume? So now we find you, we sit you down, we're going to do it for free. Get you a resume, get you acclimated, find out your skills, your, what you want to do. Because a lot of times people don't even know they just want a job. I want to yeah. work. You got some skills somewhere in there. You yeah. may say you just want a job, you want to work, and you may be chasing at McDonald's, but you may be gifted at doing some other Work mm-hmm. that you don't even want to tap into because you never put it on paper to see it. So now we do the um the, the resume building, but ultimately at the resume, what happens when you get into the interview? Yeah, how Teach do you, you handle yourself when you get an interview? Yeah, yo, what's up, man? I'm trying to get this work. <laughs> I mean, try and get on. Yeah. Try and get this money. I mean, no, you know that's Y'all not how, how you conduct yourself. You gotta know how to look a person in the eyes. You gotta know how to dress. You gotta know what to wear. You gotta know how to handle yourself. And these are things that we're not teaching our young people. Let's be sending them out here. Get a job. Get a job. No, they go in the job and they flunking. Yeah, yeah. They and they um. Yeah, I'm saying a whole lot of just not being properly taught and Y'all properly trained. So that's just one of the things we're gonna provide the tools that when they go get the job, they'll keep the job. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you can get a job, and what happens if something happens? You lose a job. That way you get the job, you keep the job, and guess what? You'll be able to. And the only thing we're asking for people is to, it's, it's free, mm-hmm. but we want you to give back. All right, okay. Give to somebody else. Give to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put somebody else on. That and that's sense. all we ask. And that's sense. the only thing we are asking for some people to do is, is help somebody else. Okay. That's why we call it the help center. We believe right. that you, we all, everybody going to need a little bit of help. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It always will. Absolutely. Always will. So, uh, so comparing it, so talking about churches again, comparing um, the back in the day church to now, uh, the styles of church. Oh. You got the people oh. that 
the I think the style back then was more of a scare you into trusting God type of thing tactics versus now it's more related. Call it fire I, and brimstone. Yeah, <laughs> and I think the transition that transition goes with the times is is inevitable. It got to change within the time. That's even with. Old Testament and New Testament. You read the Old Testament is it's very, it's a lot more harsher than the New Absolutely. Testament. But the times had to change because it's a transition. You can't, you can't teach nobody the word from the Old Testament now. Strictly Old Testament now, they ain't gonna get it. You gotta give they, them, you gotta give them the whole loaf. Yeah, so it's gonna be a whole another track. It's gonna be a whole another problem you give them with that. So talk, talk about how you feel like. The, the 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 style of of talking to the to the people changed. Like, how do you feel, and how did so you, st- you change that for your? What's your style? Basically, so my style is different, man. I think this is why God allowed me to be a church plant. I'm I'm a different kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a very unique kind of guy, but I believe that I I I couldn't be a traditional pastor. Okay. Um. I, I, and you've known me my whole life. I've never been an ordinary guy. I've yeah. always went against the grain. I've always was the one who just do something different. What was and your I, nickname back in the day? Oh, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> my nickname was Tough Enough. Yeah. And because um, I was definitely a little rough around the edges. Yeah. And I was definitely the rowdy guy. But to see that the way it transitioned is like, I believe that God allowed me to do it in this generation for a reason this way. Okay. I believe that that style of church worked for that time. Okay. Times change, the style of church change, not the mandate of church. Okay. I believe that church is like a tie. No matter how you ever get a tie, sometimes you can tie a tie, you can tie a short tie, a mm. long tie, um, a bow Big tie. Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, it does not change the authenticity of the tie. Right. I believe that church is just like bait. Think about it like this. Sometimes you got to change the bait. When you're going fishing mm. and you decide that you want to go fishing, um, you, you, you want to catch a certain fish, you got to use a certain bait. Mm-hmm. I think you have to look at churches like ties and bait. Mm. Why ties? No matter how you tie a tie, as long as you make it, as long as it's a tie, it's a tie, correct? Correct. As I'm changing the bait, the whole thing is to get the fish. Mm-hmm. I think the older church didn't want to change the bait, but then get mad when they don't catch the fish. Yeah, yeah. These are not the same fish. This is a different generation. You may not win them with the whole fire and brimstone thing. You can't scam in the church. Mm-hmm. This generation is one of the most fearless, relentless generations ever. Absolutely. But I believe that this is a generation that if anything was to ha- change, it would happen within this generation. Okay. But I believe that the, the, the people have to do a great job at passing the baton to the next generation. Yeah. And it's okay to change. Yeah. yeah That's absolutely. the word. It's absolutely. okay to change. Yeah. It's okay to change the style of church, which means. I, I wore this today in church. I got on some jeans, some pumas, and a t-shirt. Uh-huh. But the thing is, it's not about what you wear, more so about what's in your heart. Yeah. Because yeah. God didn't die for clothes, he died for souls. Yeah, Jesus yeah, didn't yeah. die for no soul. He clothes. He don't care what you got on for real. Right. He want to worry about your heart because right. you can be dressed up and be messed up. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think what happens is in that generation, they kind of um cut it off because I feel like, and this is my personal opinion. I believe that the generation before us kind of made us feel like that grace stopped at them. Okay. And like, that's usually the adults. That, like, I mean, that's usually the elders' like, way of thinking, like period. Jesus died. The blood shed down. And, and it then, stopped with us. And then it stopped right there. Yeah. <laughs> so what about when you was out there partying and turning up and doing those other things? Right, right. Because a lot of times the people forget where they came from. Mm-hmm. I believe that the same love, the same grace, the same God that saved them is the same love, the same God, the same grace saves us. Right. But I believe that we have to understand that the older generation can be a little bit 
stricter. Mm-hmm. Not saying that the younger generation give you a pass, but I believe that you shouldn't only tell a person why they're wrong and when they're wrong, mm-hmm. but you should also love them and help them get it right. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the key. That's that, what I, and that you want to finish? No, you, I'm good. So that's the thing. That was what I was getting to next because that's how I feel that I think that go hand in hand with even with certain adults and parents. Period, because they feel like. Like uh, I, I know my from personal experience, I know me and my family, all of my cousins and, and siblings can can vouch for it. But like the uh, the uh, the hurt and the the damage that caused from their their era and their times growing up, it's hard for them to 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 right their wrongs. Like emotionally coming mm-hmm. up, uh, it wasn't a lot of compassion and a lot of all the um love and all of it. Like we knew our parents and their family loved us, but it wasn't shown a whole. Like it wasn't a lot of affection. And when you talk to our parents, it's like they'll tell you that's why. But my thing is, what are you going to do to change that? If you if <laughs> you know that's what happened, you got to change it and and break that cycle. So, with that being said, uh, my question was that um, how do you feel about the elders in the church because. Uh, the way they look at it, like they'll try to put you on a guilt trip about church. And I'm sure there's plenty of kids and, and young adults that's in church now because of a guilt trip. Because mm. they, their parents might have said something wild to them. Like, if you don't do this or you don't go to church, this going to happen. And they might be in a bad time going through a bad space. But now it's like, all right, well, I want to get it right. So I'm going to go there. But it ain't going for the right reason. Mm. It might turn into the right reason, but initially not going for the right reason. Because I know, uh, speaking on my peoples again. My mother, she she a lot of hit you with um uh, the the scripture about obeying your parents, but when it <laughs> comes to mother and father, yeah, but when it comes to uh somebody uh, crossing her, she ain't gonna forgive them. <laughs> but the word is you supposed to forgive as well. Amen. So talk about how how like the contradictions and the and the hypocrisy. So I think it's just one of those. It's it's actually you know practice what you preach. Yeah, absolutely. And no, nobody's perfect, but I believe um I, I had to. I'll be transparent. Uh, last week we we dropped the ball on something. It was somebody that we we didn't get a chance to honor, uh-huh. and we messed up. We dropped the ball on it. So after the church, I said, "Listen, we got to make it right." Okay. So what I did was I believe that because we messed it up publicly, we had to fix it publicly. Right. So I made sure I was a man. I took the mic. I said, "Listen, we didn't do what we supposed to do last week. We messed up. Mm-hmm. That's something that you don't hear in church a lot." Yeah, yeah. Admitting guilt. Yeah. The pastor got in the mic and he says he messed up. Mm-hmm. So as I said, I messed up. Not only did I acknowledge that I messed up, but I also fixed it. Right. I think in the older generations, instead of them sharing their shortcomings. Yeah, they hide it. They hide it. Yeah. Not it knowing that me standing up there today and letting my congregation know that I messed up mm-hmm. reminded them, not if, as if they didn't know, reminded them that even the pastor yeah. Yeah. messes up. Nobody's sacred from that. Nobody is exempt from falling. Right. But just because you mess up don't mean you shouldn't. You got to take responsibility. Absolutely. Hey, look, this is what I did. Because people can they can appreciate that. But mm-hmm. if I got up there act like ain't nothing happened, you know I messed up. I know yeah. I messed up. We just gonna act like I ain't messed up. Right. Then that's when the disconnect. So now the disconnect. Up. So now yeah. you fake. Yeah. You yeah. fake. Yeah. So now you're a hypocrite because right. you just talked about you just told me a whole thirty five minute ride on how I gotta be <laughs> responsible. So you gotta be fake. So I think in the church we gotta be authentic. We gotta we gotta show the world our flaws too. Because mm-hmm. I think when people look at the body of Christ, they think we're supposed to be perfect. They look at the church, think it's supposed to be perfect. But think about this: a church is nothing but a hospital. A hospital yeah. full of a bunch of sick people. So them same gossipers, liars, whoremongers, all those people that was in the world, guess where they normally end up at? In the church. Right. And just because they're in there don't mean they're in there because they're sick. Yeah. 
And when yeah. you go to chemo, you don't get one round of chemo and you heal. You, you got to keep, keep going. going. Yeah. And it's going to hurt. It's going to cost you. You got to keep going. So what am I saying is the world needs to be patient with the church. Because mm-hmm. the church ain't perfect. Yeah, That's why we go to church because we're not perfect. That's why we serve God because we're not perfect. But I think the world has to be patient and the, the church has to be honest. Okay. So if we mess up, say, listen, I'm sorry. I didn't do you wrong. I apologize how I made you feel. Please forgive me. Right. But when you don't say nothing, uh, the worst apology is the apology you never get. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So that and, um, also I wanted to speak on because uh, because back in the day, the whole uh, the hustle was uh, it was a hustle to have had the churches back in the day. But the times changed and that's that's a whole another chapter of that. But the. um. Speaking on elders in the church hold, because you mid thirties, right? Thirty four. Thirty four. So you know, typically everybody's usually the main people in the church. Usually the older heads. So how do you get besides the people you know, your family and the people that support you from day one? How do you get? Uh, or because because like you said, you dress casual. That's that's unusual. You dress like one. You look like you your age. You look young. Uh, and I think the younger people can appreciate that and they can attest to it and they could they could connect more. But an older person might not. So how do you connect to a and bring an older feel to the church? Because I think because I mean, I know I, I might have said a lot of stuff about the elders, oh, no, but, but, no, but but, but uh, I think it's necessary. It's definitely necessary because wisdom is, is super important. And Absolutely. They, they got more wisdom because they've been here long enough. So how you connect to the older crowd and bring them in? And think about it. The Bible says I call them the young people because they're strong. I call them the older people because they're wise. Right. So just imagine if you take some older people and some young people and you connect them together. Mm -hmm. Then you got some old, wise, you got some young, strong, wise people. Mm -hmm. So what I've learned with um, this is I believe that me being a pastor, that God has people already assigned to me. Okay. And and the people that are assigned to me is because I'm going to be me. If I if I change what God has given me, I will lose the people that God has assigned to me. Right. And in my church, we have a, a ministry entitled the Season Saints. I actually just met with them this morning and appreciate them. It's about fourteen people, sixty or over. Mm-hmm. So here it is. I got a. It's a ministry in our church with people on there that has probably shoes and belts older than me, <laughs> but they call me pastor. Right. So what I learned is that that's humbling. It's very humbling. Yeah. It's so humbling. And, and listen, not only do they, they, they make sure they take care of their pastor. Every week since my wife has been in school, they bring us food. That's what's up. Every week. That's Praise the up. Lord for the season. Know, they feed us yeah, good. Yeah, I know they and, at home and, cook. And the blessing about that is it's like it, it baffles me, and I can't fully understand it or answer it how I have um, – we have the seasoned saints, then we have people my age, then we have the teenagers mm-hmm. that rock with me. Okay. And in one sermon in 30 minutes, I have to be able to minister to everybody yeah. at their level. Right, right. That's God. That's tough. That's tough. I don't have that. That's God. Yeah. So what I'm seeing now is that um, the, the what they're attracted to is not me as far as my age. Mm-hmm. They're attracted to the spirit. The word. The word. Yeah. Try the spirit by the spirit. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they get around a young person who know the word. And this is let me know that I was official. Because ain't no it's no the older generation is not gonna get behind you if you ain't official. Nah, not they're gonna know. call you out. Yeah. They'd be gonna, the first to, they call, be the first to call you out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know they got that church up there in Woodlawn. Yeah. God ain't there. <laughs> but here they say, Listen, Pastor, we got your back, we support you. And when I tell you they are solid, mm-hmm. solid like a rock. When I tell you if I look up, they will be there. I can text them right now and say, Listen, I need y'all. They will be there. Right. So what happens is I notice what they're attracted to is the openness. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of young people don't want to listen to the older people. Yeah. I listen to them. Yeah. I respect them. I don't make them feel like they're the older generation. Guess what? I want to get old. Right. It's a it's an honor to get old nowadays the way we die. Yeah. So I look at it how you treat them. You treat them like you love them. You treat them like they're human beings. Hey, just because they're old. Listen, it's a lady at my church. She She's a, a seasoned saint. She'll beat anybody in dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> Sister Desiree, and, she, and just to see that, nice with it. She nice with it. Mm-hmm. So to see that she's able to get out of her comfort zone and be able to be uh, young again, and to be able to see the older generation linking up with the, the 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 newer, the older, and the younger connecting, which means that now you built relationships. Because mm-hmm. I believe that you you're going where I'm going. You've right. been where I'm going. Right. So why can't I connect with you? So I think there is a major disconnect between the older generation and the younger generation. But I believe that um, the lines of communication need to be opened back up because the baton has to get past because we can't win the race without the baton yeah you gotta get the game if you want it to be passed on when everybody else leave it gotta be passed down the right way i agree um speaking more on uh religion and spirituality um i i think people some people separate like if if, say i know sometimes if you tell somebody oh i go to church so they be like you real religious and then there's there's a difference between religion and spirituality i think um I respect all religions. I, I like to learn about a lot of different religions, too. Like, I think uh, more so, like, even when you know when you go in the, in the jail and the system and all of that, and then the street guys, they, they push Muslim, they, uh, Islam more than anything. And then the, I think outside looking in, a lot of people take to that because of, you know, who is doing it. They, they, they OG might be doing it. You know, they met a guy in jail that, that fell into that. And, um, or they just like the morals. Like I, I can, I can say that myself. I like, I like the morals that they have. Not everybody follows them, but I like that people can distinctly say, you know, and, and hold each other accountable in that lifestyle. And I think, um, just like with the Jews, everybody get the Jews all the props in the world because they hold each other down. I think that's, that's yeah, their structure is mean, and I think that's that's um where a lot of people get. The disconnect with Christianity because they feel like it's not a it's not a look. The look is this when they, when people from the outside looking in it's like the look of Christianity is just the church, the dressed out outfits, all this, all that. But the structure is not the same. I think I think everybody can agree with that or or not. You talk you can share your your part on it. But I think it's good to be spiritual because even if you take a little bit of everything from all of them them religions or the uh, like. Just, just the parts like I just named everything, the, the destruction and things like that. You take different parts of it and you, um, whether you put your twist on it or you just accept it that way and you flow, go with the flow. Because a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people in today's age, they don't necessarily want to confine to one religion, but they might like different things about the lifestyle or they might just accept everybody as where it is, whatever, whatever. But some people don't really want to get to the deep part of it or, or all of that. That's that's a very distinctive part about it that people struggle with, I think. And sometimes I probably need myself because, like you said, it depends on who you talk to and what you talk about to certain people. You get shifted in a different realm Absolutely. with it. So, so talk, tell me how you feel about that. So I think when you look at like the religion versus the spirituality, I think a lot of times when people go with the whole spirituality, they have a bad taste in their mouth about organized religion. Okay. Um, I don't believe that organized religion is wrong. I believe that it's been it's been so tainted mm-hmm. that most people won't just I don't want to deal with it at all. Yeah. So instead of me trying to figure out who's real, who's fake, I'm just gonna not deal with it at all. Mm-hmm. But you gotta understand that 
organized religion has its place. Yeah. Because I believe that, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be spiritual. I'm not, I'm not knocking spirituality, but a lot of times people say things like, oh, I'm a universal Christian or things mm-hmm. like that. But you have to connect yourself. Okay. You got to be connected one, to, to the one. body. You know, okay. be connected to the body. The body it says I, this is the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So you can't say I'm connected to the body of Christ, but not be connected to the body. Okay. So I think when you look at the spirituality part, I think people just want to. Um, they want God, but don't want religion. Okay. But how can you kind of separate the two? Because I think you kind of got to look at it as what is religion? Yeah. So a lot of people think, you know, like when uh, Kurt Franklin had a thing says, I'm, I'm losing my religion. How do you lose your religion? This is your religion. Right. Most people don't like organized religion. Well, what is the, because if I, if I would guess the actual definition of religion. Let's look it up. Let's look follow. up the real definition of religion. Come on. Find out. Because I, I want to, because I think a lot of times you look at the definition of religion and you look at spirituality. A lot of people say, "Okay, I, I like, I love God, but I don't want to be a part of His church. I don't want to do with church." All right, the, let's, let's get the definition. The definition of religion is the belief the in belief. and worship of a superhuman controlling power. Part right there. That's God. Okay, that's the belief. So you can't like my religion is my belief system. So I think when you hear religion, people think church. Right. And that's not religion. Right. Like it's we just what read you it. believe in. It's what you believe. Okay. Gotcha. So I think that's where kind of people they want they want religion but don't want church. So they say I want spirituality. Okay, I want to be spiritual. I'm a spiritual person. And is that possible? Is it possible to be a spiritual person without religion? Mm-hmm. How can you be a spiritual person without if, if you said religion is to be belief? Yeah, your spirituality that's a belief. Mm-hmm. What is your belief system? Okay. It has to have some type of structure. Mm. That's like saying, oh, I got a, I, um, I got a car. You need wheels to have a car. Yeah. So yeah, I can say I got a car. I can look at it, but I can't go nowhere with it. If it don't have no wheels, then it ain't got no wheels. Nothing. So I think you know that's, and I think that's a safe way to kind of say I want, I want God, but I don't want the stuff that comes with it. I don't want to deal with the drama. I don't want to deal with the church. I don't want to deal with the backlash. I don't want to deal with the ties, the offerings, the pastor, the pews, and the ushers. But I just want to work on myself. Right. I want to become one with me. So I think that's where, and that's a very open, broad, broad topic. That's a open. That's a very open and broad topic. But I think a lot of times people want, they want Christ, but don't want His church. Right. So I want the benefits, yeah. but I don't want everything. I don't want the. I want the benefits of being. I want the benefits, but not the membership. They don't want everything that comes <laughs> along with it. And that's understandable because you got to think it's a lot of times people put a bad taste in your mouth when you're dealing with church and mm-hmm. you're dealing with you know religious folks. Yeah. But I think when you deal with the religious side of it. Religious religion is when you kind of deal with like the structure rule. That's why you hear the religious people. Mm-hmm. Most people that's religious, they just focus on laws and focus on uh, uh, the laws, the do's and the don'ts, mm-hmm. not dealing with the spirit of it. Right. Okay. So I hope that answered your question. No, that's, a, that's a pretty broad. Definitely, definitely. And like you said, that was. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's going into the next topic. Because okay. I know certain people that had bad experiences in church that that I don't think it changed. Well, I don't think initially it changed their faith, but it changed their feelings about church. Like, mm. you know, growing up, growing up in church, they might have had a, um, as an adult, they might have had an altercation or a certain uh, somebody judging them in the church home. And then they they uh, it, it just pushes them away. Certain things. Pushes them away. I know certain people that grew up. Father was a very big part of the church and grew up that their whole life. And as soon as they moved out, their father's out. They ain't go no more. Mm. So is I think is a lot. But but. 
like I said, with the families and things like that, I think that has a part to play with it because it was forced on to them so much. I know for me, myself, I was raised in it. My mother used to make me go every Sunday and I hated going. But <laughs> once I got uh, as an adult um, and I stopped going, I think that's when I realized, all right, well, let me let me start going up in here. And, and, and getting some some and then that's when I really started when when my mother stopped making me going that's when I started hearing it that's when it started connecting to me more so um the part that I think like you said I think the part that turns people away is the the all of the things that go on in the church like the judgmental stuff you know different gossips and stuff I think a lot of churches come off like uh it's like another year of high school like I, I churches that I don't even go to when I hear other people talk about it, it's like they know stories about somebody messing with somebody uh, relationship, marriage, all that type of stuff, and then it's you know people do stuff. Uh, just, just it get wild, and then that that just paints the picture. And then I think uh, also people just throw like that. That becomes the focal point. And they just throw the whole other part of church, the real part, out of it. So how do you how do you feel about this when that type of stuff come into play? Because I know that's something that you can't prepare yourself for. Like you, it, it come from anybody, but also how do you how do you stay out of that way? And also, how do, how does somebody that that goes through those type of things, like completely disconnected from the church period, how do you? Is it possible to get them back into that after going through something? Like, and I ain't gonna name certain situations. I would say but yes. Serious things. I would say yes. I feel like it's it's like a relationship. Okay. Um, I feel like church is like a relationship. You have you have to be with some. You have a person who's with somebody. They're faithful. They love the person, and the person cheat on them, and the person you know hurt them or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And then now it's hard for them to love again. Okay. Does that mean all men are bad? Does that no. mean all men are dogs? Does no. that mean all men That's cheat? a good comparison. Does it mean all men beat on you? Does it mean all men going to spend your money? Does it mean all men? And, and now because one man messed you up doesn't mean all men are bad. But what I'm saying is I preached about it today. You have to go through a healing process. And I think when you get hurt in church, that's one of the worst places to get hurt. Yeah. Because you're going there for healing. But you got to also remember you're going to a hospital where you, because you're hurt. And you're not the only one there that's hurt. Right. So now you're at a place where you ex- have this expectation on the church, not realizing that at church, it's a whole bunch of hurt people. Mm-hmm. And now you got hurt people in here, hurt people. And we all here to be healed because, but everybody there is not there for the right reasons. Right. So now you got to think about it like, um, now I need to get this healing. So now I've been hurt. So now I have to figure out how do I love again? So now I need to find out who do I feel comfortable with? You don't just go join in every church. And I think a lot of times people just jump into stuff saying, oh, God, put me here. God, put me there. God, put me there. Just because you visit a church and you like the church don't mean that's where you're supposed to be. Okay. You got to find what works for you. Just, you know, you got to find your fit. And when you find your fit, you'll find your niche. You'll get in it. And then you'll be able to serve and you'll be able to do what you're supposed to do within that church. Mm -hmm. So now when you go through something in that church, you're not going to blame the church for what you're going through. Yeah. So now if I have an issue, the Bible says when you got an issue with a person, you deal with the person. That's one of the first things I think that happen in churches. Nobody confronts anybody in church. Yeah. So listen, if I hurt you, if I hurt your feelings, I got to say, hey, man, I hurt your feelings. I messed up because you got to think as while we're here trying to do something and build something up, the enemy's going to do his job is to steal, kill mm-hmm. and destroy. Right. So if I'm going to continue to send division, my job as a pastor is to be able to help and see what's going on. Right. And also I have to have a team to say, listen, if we see things, put them fires out. Yeah. Reconcile. Yeah. Do you know not just preach about love. Let's activate in love. Let's talk, not talk about patience. Be patient. Let's not talk about self control. Be self control. Yeah. So then now I can see that you're transparent. Right. You're open. You're honest. And now guess what? I'm not expecting you to be perfect because I know if you mess up, you're gonna say something. So now what do you do? You bring them back in. 
And my question is this, like you hear a lot of people talk about being hurt by the church, mm. but whoever talk about, you know, I've been church hurt. Whoever talks about who hurts the pastor? True. That's like, real. Like, what about pastor? What about the sheep hurting the pastor? What about? What, what does that look like, though? I hurt. I'm, no, I'm saying as far as like, what what kind of, for example. So it's like, for example, like with me, I get a, you get a lot, you know, pe- one thing about a pastor is that you get an expectation on you that's kind of. It's hard to live up to. Yeah. Like, for example, I've had bulletproof. It's it's not. It don't work like that. So I'm not gonna be perfect. I'm not gonna see everybody. I'm not gonna know everything. I'm not gonna know every time somebody happened. I'm not gonna be able to call you every time something wrong. Mm -hmm. So I think it's only fair that you give up. Remember that the past is a person. Mm -hmm. So I'm a pastor. I got a wife. I got a family. I got kids. So I do all those things. So I think when a person um, puts a pastor on that pedestal, that they forget they're human. Mm -hmm. So anytime the pastor let them down, they give up on the church. Right. Right. Yeah. Now you don't want to go to church because the pastor failed. Mm-hmm. They didn't do this. They didn't call you. They didn't see no flowers. That's not fair to the pastor. And you got to also think about on the other side. When the last time you checked on your pastor? Yeah. When the last time you sent them encouraging word? Right. When the last time you told him you love him? When the last time you prayed for him, pushed him, helped him? The pastor needed just as much as pastor you pastor need. needed, just like you do. Right. Pastor need to be prayed for, need mm-hmm. to be encouraged. Mm-hmm. Because you got to think, I'm I'm feeding y'all all week. So what happens during the week when I'm when I'm going through my stuff? Yeah. But I, I got problems, I got bills, I got trials, I got tribulations too. That's who's right. who's pushing me? Who's helping me? Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, you don't get none of that, but let me mess up. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> oh, it's, it's over. He <laughs> <laughs> can get me right. <laughs> so uh my next question, how do you what do you tell the person, um, the person, whether they are new to church or not, or just 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 the individual challenge you to the point of um not understanding certain verses. And that's that's there because I feel like a lot of people hold their beliefs and their 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 ways of living off of um like they'll find different scriptures or different things that they found like miss loops and holes in the in the Bible that they be like, oh well, this happened, so I'm not messing with it. I don't believe mm-hmm. it. Like, like you got people that say, do you really believe Jesus walked on water? Do you really believe Adam and Eve? How do you how do you like they believe it's just a fairy tale? And and that's that's how do you deal with people like that because they don't understand or they don't believe the word but oh, they man, know because i because I, I feel i feel like everybody knows there's some being this is definitely a being but if if it don't make sense if it don't sound real i don't mess with it so think about this if we you know god he mm. created the heavens created the earth you mm. got oxygen that comes from the ground you have the sun that's Close enough to keep us warm, mm. but not too close to cook us. Mm. Then you have that same sun that feeds the grass, that makes the oxygen come, that makes the grass grow to, to create oxygen so we can breathe. Mm. Man can't take credit for that. Your body, if you cut your hand, it heals by itself. Yeah. Your mind has the propensity to tell your foot to move, and your foot moves. Yeah. The blood, like, and when you really fathom how all of this was created, it's definitely a bigger being. And when I deal with people like that that want to always argue about the Bible, one, I'll never argue about the Bible. Mm-hmm. I'm going to argue with it. Why not? First off, I don't have to argue what's already proven. True. I don't argue with it. If you, you have your beliefs, I have my belief. I'm open to discussing it. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, whatever you're discussing, is it going to, is this conversation going to be fruitful? True. I had somebody that want to go back and forth with me about the space. God created space. When did show me where He created the other planets? Listen, first and foremost, is it gonna help you live better? Yeah, seriously. That's certain things, question. certain things. Like, don't get me wrong. We can sit here, and we can go back and forth about when Jesus' birthday was. Yeah, I get that all the time. His uh-huh. birthday ain't on this. <laughs> 
What's more important? Knowing when his birthday was or the fact that he was born. So what I'm saying is make the main thing the main thing. So if we're going to have a conversation about something, let's let it be something fruitful. So if you want to talk about why shouldn't you have sex before marriage, that's something that we can be fruitful about. If you want to talk about why you shouldn't sin, that's something to be fruitful about. But if you want to talk about why the Bible written this way or this, that, what is the fruit? Yeah. The Bible says it's endless genealogy. You going all it's gonna do is create more questions because you will never fully understand everything. Mm-hmm. But if you want to discuss something, some people just do it to attack and want to just tear it down. Yeah. I don't yeah, want to have them yeah, conversations. Yeah, yeah, but if you just want some enlightenment or some understanding where it's gonna be fruitful for you to be able to, to help you be more beneficial in your walk, let's discuss it all day. But if you just intentionally try to pick me apart yeah. and tear me down, Ain't I no don't point. entertain it because listen, no matter what I say. That's a lose lose battle. That's a lose lose. That's a lose lose battle. So I've run into that a lot too, but I, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, so yeah, that, that was that was a very quick. So, so how do you feel about people? Because I know there's a good amount of people also that that are involved in the church, but they have their own questions. Do because I know a lot of people are afraid to question certain things, but it's okay to question the word or different things about what's going on in the Bible and in Christianity. This period. This, that's, that's, that's how you same. learn, man. You yeah. got to ask questions. You got to yeah. be informed. You have to stay. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times people think just because the pastor said it makes it golden. Yeah. I tell yeah. the people when I'm preaching, keep your books open. Read it yourself. Right. But, and, and a lot of times I get a lot of flack about the Bible and this, that, and the third. And I, I never, one, I never bash another person's faith. Mm-hmm. So if you want, if you're a Muslim, guess what? I love you and yeah. I treat you good. And that's I, how I suppose it. And that's just me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to tell you your religion is wrong. I'm, that's what you believe. Yeah. But if you indecisive about what you believe, if my religion make you feel uncomfortable, that's not my fault. Man. I believe what I believe. You believe what you believe. But can't nobody change what I believe right. if you really believe. Right. You can't persuade me. And I think a lot of times you have to have your own personal foundation. That's why I'm confident in myself and, and, and competent in who I believe in. So that way, any arena that I'm putting, anything that challenges me, it doesn't move me because I know it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Hey, whether you believe it's a God or not, you've seen me from the past. Mm-hmm. So whether you've ever been to church. Yeah. Ever seen a, ever heard a prayer? Ever seen a scripture? Ever prayed? Mm-hmm. Ever ever sung a church song? Mm-hmm. You can look at my life, yeah, and Absolutely. say. I always tell you the one time um, back in the day. This was before all the, the stuff I was just talking. Uh-oh. about. One time, <laughs> no, you was uh, doing your thing. Good. Oh, I was yeah, nervous. You was doing, <laughs> you was Ooh. doing your thing. But we was on a porch outside, and um, and one day you came up. You wasn't preaching, but you were just talking about. I guess. What was going on in the church and all that? And when you left, the, the guy was like, "I don't why you want to hear that preaching shit." Blah, blah. <laughs> Year two later, three years later, he was at your church on New Year's, and I was wow. like, "Wow, that's that's crazy!" Like it, it that's what wow. really, I told you. That was the thing that kind of wow. Like, it confirmed it for me. Like, let me holler at my man and get that. Get I that ain't even know home. about that. That's a blessing though. Yeah, absolutely. and the thing is, you you should know that. And this is how this is how I identify it. Mm-hmm. When people try to figure out who's real, who's mm-hmm. fake, who's real. Yeah. Who's sick? <laughs> you shall know the tree yeah. by the fruit. Absolutely. Just because you running around here, you standing in the you standing in the garage don't make you a Benz. Yeah. Just because you say that. Yeah. No, you a man standing in the garage. You're not a car. Right. So you can't just because a person identify themselves as a Christian don't mean that's who they are. Absolutely. But I believe that you shall know the tree by the fruit that it bears. The Bible says in Galatians five twenty two, it says love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, self control. When you look at those light, those attributes. That identify you with Christ, not being in the suit, not being able to preach, not being able to sing, holler, jump, or scream. It's about the life that you live. Yeah. If you're not bearing fruit, you're not rooted. Right. 
Absolutely. So I believe that, you know, when you deal with the Christianity component, a lot of times people say, you say I'm a fake pastor, you should know the tree by the fruit. Mm-hmm. If I don't have no fruit, call me to the carpet. Yeah. And because if something walk like a duck, talk like a duck, quack like a duck, change it. It ain't no mongoose. It ain't no mongoose, baby. That's a duck. <laughs> but um, 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 speaking on that, what you just said, uh, as far as the, um, I lost my train of thought. Um, uh, uh, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. <laughs> so, uh, what, 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 what? I know you shared just your history on about how you got the way you were, how you got into the life. But what was, what made God real to you? Like, what was the? Was it a certain moment, or what was a certain thing that happened that was like, okay, this is for real? Because I know, like you said, you went that the hat went to your brother. That was like the leeway into going into it, kind of, but. Was it a certain moment? It was like, all right, this I know this this is what it is now. Like, I'm gonna share this. I'm okay. gonna share it. So, I was in a real dark season in my life, and I remember I was living on Parkton, and I was. Um, a lot of people don't know that I gave up on oh, preaching. I quit. No, I wasn't even preaching. I was. I was still trying to figure my life out, and I. I was. I quit life. Oh god. Okay. Um, I was really down, and I attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that. I attempted suicide. Now, um, I tried to kill myself. And then in the midst of all this, I remember I was in St. Agnes. And I'll never forget it. It seemed like it was yesterday. And this is, I normally don't remember like certain dreams and things like that. But this is the first time I had my personal encounter with God. So as I was in there, as I was in, um, as I was actually in the, the hospital trying to come back. Mm-hmm. I remember having a moment where I, f- I heard God's voice clear today. He says, don't ever try to take something that's, that does not belong to you. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, you saw Meaning your life. M- meaning my life. Okay. And at that moment, I'm like, so I'm, I'm, I started crying, and then I saw my mother, I saw my father, and at that moment, I mean, I saw my mother and I saw my wife. Mm-hmm. She's my girl at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. And then it just made me kind of reflect and just look like, that was my moment that God was like, don't ever try to take something that don't belong to you. Mm-hmm. So at that moment, I started to live my life as if it didn't belong to me. Mm-hmm. So then I started to, to learn and started to grow. And that right there was that pivotal moment in my life where I knew God was real, real, real. Okay. That was your wake up call. That was call. my wake up call. When I, I, I heard, you know, I, I, I heard God talk to me. I ain't yeah, God to yeah, talk yeah, to nobody. Yeah, yeah. And I, I heard it. Don't ever try to take something that does not belong to you. I hear, the vo- I hear it vividly in my head now like it was yesterday. I can tell you where I was at. That exact moment. That exact moment. Yeah. says, so don't ever try to take something that does not belong to you. And that made me really look at life like, wow, my life doesn't belong to me. So how did you, how did you know, uh, like you, well, you said you didn't choose it, but how does it go from, um, I'm going to just start being more in the church and being religious to I'm going to be. I'm going after the preacher, pastor mode. How did you differentiate that versus saying like, "Oh, I'm gonna just start going back to church more and getting more in my word." I ain't want to be a pastor. I, I'm, the more I got, the, listen. The, the more you hang out, think about it like this: the more you hang out with God, the more He's gonna use you. Okay, that's the bottom line. Because I got into it. Like one thing about me: if I do something, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hard. Or I'm gonna go home. Yeah. I ain't gonna half step. So I started full stepping. I started getting into it. And the more I got into it, I realized that I was able to help more. I started retaining it. I've never been to school to preach. Okay. I've never been to college to preach. But I, I learned how to preach, you know, yeah. reading the scriptures and starting making sense to me. Then I started expounding on it, started sharing it with other people. And then I realized that at one point um, I was ministering. I was a pastor. I was just preaching. I was going around preaching, you know, different engagements. And then I felt God calling me to be a pastor. I felt the following growing. I was doing my uh, spiritual hot shots. Remember that? Mm-hmm. 
there's pastors and spiritual shots. <laughs> and I was doing them, and they was growing, and people was looking forward to it. And then every day, somebody would always um, call me pastor. And I'm oh, like, okay. man, stop all that, man. My name is, I'm not, I'm not a pastor, I'm a minister. Yeah. Somebody like, Reverend, I ain't no reverend, yeah. I'm a minister. Somebody called me pastor, pastor, pastor. And then one day, I, I, I felt, I, I, could, I can't really explain it. I told him, I said, listen, I, I'm called the pastor. Mm-hmm. Boy, you crazy, you ain't called no pastor, but lay down somewhere. I'm like, listen, Tiffany, God is calling me to start a church. She was like, hold up. <laughs> Start a church? Yeah. You're going a little bit too far now, yeah. bro. You done had some goofy dust or something. So when I said this is what God has called me to do, it's just I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. It just fell in. You fell into it. And listen, we we, we had we started the church with no money. Mm-hmm. I was in the process of actually trying to figure out where my family was going to live. Mm-hmm. And we started, it was we had a mega church in our living room. The overflow was the dining room. It was five of us in there. About, no, it was more than five. It was about eight of us, maybe. Uh-huh. And then it went from eight of us to like five. That's crazy. And then when we had our first, we had a, a plan to start in 18 months to launch our church. And in five months, we launched our first service with over 300 people there. Wow. Wow. Now, that's a confirmation right yeah, there. Yeah, that, that'll that's do fruit. it. That'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> so did you have a mentor, like somebody to give you game? Ah, uh, Yeah, I had somebody give me game. I had um, my pastor. He passed away. Rest in peace. Um, Earl Gilliard. I watched him for a long time. But I still had some other mentors that um, kind of helped me now as I kind of navigate mm-hmm. and find my way. But... I didn't have a lot of mentoring. Okay. Doc, I did have him to kind of guide me a little bit, but um, I believe that a lot of stuff that I learned was crash course. Okay. You know, everything was kind of crash course, you know, just hang to the plow, making some mistakes. And I feel like after four years of making mistakes and learning and figuring it out, we figured out how to be able to move and grow our ministry. Yeah. They say experience the best teacher. Yes, Lord. (laughs) So um, coming coming into a close, what, what do you say? Uh, so what about the people that say uh, when they, they get critical about the way they live as far as I don't go to church. Let's say somebody drink. Let's say somebody drink heavy, somebody smoke heavy. They feel like, you know, outside looking in again, I, you feel like, oh, you can't do this and go to church. I don't have no church clothes. You know, they say God says take you as you are, but they don't have church clothes. They might smoke heavy. They might drink heavy. They have sex before marriage, all that other stuff. Like, how do you feel about the people that that close themselves out? Like, all right, I know I need to get something shaking, something need to happen. But you know, I'm living this way, and I ain't giving that up. I'm not, I'm not giving up the weed. I'm not giving up the drink, none of that. But they, cause the, you know, the stigma of the church is they gonna judge you if you come in here. And they know you do that. Like, if somebody know you from such and such, oh, he, he go to church. He do this. I just seen him last week. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> Everybody feel like you gotta be a perfect saint when you go into church, or or you just can't be yourself. And I think a lot of people get caught up in living like that because they feel like you know they gonna judge me if I go in. Like you said, church is the hospital, so it shouldn't be any judging. But the people that feel like that, how do you get those individuals to be like, nah, just come on, you going, you going to get something. You can still be yourself, not telling them just keep doing what they're doing, but you know, you can still be you and come to church and, and then eventually, you know, things will probably change for that individual. But talk about that. I that. feel like with me, it's like one, if anybody's perfect, you're not qualified for church. Oh yeah. Okay. You, ain't qualified. you don't need it. You don't need it. You yeah. got the juice. You yeah. go ahead. You got God the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and then you. Yeah. But you got to think about it, you know, one, and then that's one. And then number two is this. Nobody's God. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I may be able to see your public sin, but what about this person next to you private sin? Right. So yeah, you might smoke weed and you know, you do your thing and you turn up on the on on, on, on publicly, mm-hmm. but what about the, the one who's sitting next to you who's beating his wife and sniffing coke privately? Yeah. So I think it's not a necessarily a judgment thing because God's grace don't stop 
with that person. Mm-hmm. The key thing is God is a God of love. That's the part that gets me. You can't, you can't love me and push me away. Absolutely. You got to love me for who I am. Love me raw and uncut. The Bible says, he says, come and follow me and I'll make you. Right. God is not asking you to change before you come. He's asking you to come and then you change. But the dangerous part is that when people come, they don't want to change. Right. So if you don't want to change, you can't change a person who don't want to be changed. Absolutely. But if you have somebody who's saying, listen, I want to stop smoking these bugs. But these bad boys is just good to me. Yeah. I can't help it. Every time I eat, I need a cigarette. So you realize that as long as they keep coming, they'll keep, keep evolving. Because why? Love covers a multitude of sin. Yeah. So no matter what sin that you have, the love of God is so powerful that it will be able to overpower that struggle. And then you'll get to the point where you realize that I don't need cigarettes. Well, I don't even need the drinking. Well, I don't even need the smoking. Well,